So Emily. So Danny. Last time we met, lots happened. I've had a tumor removed from my forehead. It's out of here. I'm not a unicorn anymore. It's out of here. You're cancer free. Cancer. Well, it was never I'm cancer. Kidding. Uh I you're teaching. I am. That's probably why I look more tired. And now we're back into an episode. And what are we talking about? We're back, baby. Um we're talking about forgiveness. And this actually like we didn't talk about this in our season plan, uh, but I was, I've had some pretty, I've had a pretty intense week in regards to things that I need to think about forgiving when it comes to my church story. And you're like, the podcast is the place to process <laughs> it. <laughs> There's a comedian really quick. And she's like, she's like, therapy is the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause now when she's like, now when my girlfriend says something to piss me off, I'm just like, I don't have to talk about it right now. I'm saving this for Linda. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, this is pretty vulnerable, but I also think that this is what we want to do here is make a space that while we're processing together, I think that hopefully other people can maybe relate. Yeah. One of the things that I've been the most kind of interested in and excited about is like the number of people that have reached out and said something to the effect of like by hearing your stories and your thoughts and real life experiences, like not only giving me freedom to share mine, but realizing like there is value in those things. And mm-hmm. so that's why, even though it's a vulnerable thing to talk about, and I'm ex- interested and excited to hear what we're going to talk about today and dive into that conversation, but I think just by virtue of sharing it, like we're inviting other people into that space, which is, again, the whole point of what we're doing here. And like those comments too have made me seem that my story isn't as unique as I thought, which makes me feel a lot less alone. Like, because yeah. I told you, like, I was like, yeah, we can talk about my story, but I kind of came from the reformed movement. So, no one probably relates to that. Yeah. And then people are like, no, no one talks about coming from more of the way that you came from yeah. and what that looks like. And anyway. Did I tell you that I like FaceTimed with someone? Uh, her name was Diana. She like found our podcast. She's like a uh, reformed deconstructor, I guess. Shout out to Diana. Diana, what's up? She found us on TikTok <laughs> and she like went to her, uh, she works at a church. She's a worship leader, worship director and went to her pastor and was like, hey, I see you follow this guy on Facebook. Do you know him? And like him and I are really good friends. But that was like such an interesting thing for me too, to be like, oh man, like there are people that are engaging in this conversation that we would have never known. And the world is just like getting smaller as this community yes. getting bigger, which is cool. Which is so sweet. And like, even I went to a bar to do an open mic last night and the bartender was like been loving the pod and i was like oh my gosh like That's, it was so sweet i like that um because she was like more people need to be talking about this I was yeah like, Dolly, not. so i sorry i feel like we're just kind of patting ourselves yeah. on the back but <laughs> i guess i want to say like it goes both ways like when people say that when people say kind things to us that also really does a lot for me and making me feel less alone yeah and i think like this even though we're doing this in pursuit of helping others Part of it is our own journey through this as well. It's like oh, we're doing this in a public forum, but there's personal progress and growth and healing that's happening for us. It's not like this isn't a vacuum of us just like talking about a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. It's like something that's real life. So, yeah. so forgiveness though. So forgiveness. So I we're gonna we're gonna like back it up, back it up way more, and then come back. Okay. Yeah. Go with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, I had like a rap line in my mind that I was going to go with, and I was like, not going to do it. So. <laughs> uh, I thought you were saying nope to what I wanted to do. Nope. I was like, okay, uh, well, good episode. <laughs> uh, so we had 
Rabbi Josh Stanton come to the well recently. Uh-huh. And incredible. Um, and I was driving to church that day, and I was thinking, like, I really need to work on forgiving, like, some people in my life that have really harmed me, like some church leaders that have really harmed me. And I was like, Emily, you just got to freaking forgive. And, yeah. and this was, like, on your own. Like, this had nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. This will, yeah, it'll connect to Okay. Yeah, cool. And, and then I was talking to um, Rabbi Josh Stanton. I don't know what to <laughs> You can call him Josh or Rabbi. I call him all that. Yeah. Every time. All three. Uh, And and I don't even know how this came up, but he was like, you know, we're not actually required to forgive. He was like, he was like, it's a really good idea for for you to find freedom and to have harmony among other people. But like he was talking, he was like, our job is to go to our, like our, our brother that we have harmed, try to find like reconciliation but that person does not have to forgive you, and then it becomes, like, your reconciliation with God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I may have started crying, uh, <laughs> um, but I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt this, like, weight lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. of, like, maybe I don't. Forgiveness doesn't feel very genuine if it feels required. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Like. I think about that. There are lots of, not why I say this like sounds dramatic, but there's lots of people in my life that I've looked back on that have hurt me and the forgiveness that has been given out and the people that I've hurt. Like you can tell when it's genuine and when it's disingenuous and when it's just like a box that's checked or when it's like, like the person is like genuinely like remorseful, I guess that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I think comes out of the idea, like, is it required or is it an outpouring of, like, I feel like I want to, like, engage in the reconciliation act of forgiveness. But I always saw it as, like, this is going to be a really negative way to say it, but this is how I'm Mm -hmm. trying to describe it, is I always saw the cross and God's ultimate forgiveness of us as almost like it blackmailed us into having to forgive everybody. Oh, that's interesting. Like, you know that there's a, and there's a passage, or I think Jesus tells a story where he's like, you know, this one guy forgives a big debt, and then the guy that was forgiven doesn't forgive, like, the $5 debt or whatever. And then the guy who forgave the huge debt is like, well, screw you, dude. Like, you didn't get the heart of this. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't talk about that. Like, the disciples ask, how much should we forgive? And he goes like and Peter's like seven times and Jesus is like 70 times seven like which is just way bigger he's not saying 490 um great math (laughs) thank you uh (laughs) but but because of that like people would always say like well you've been forgiven so much that you have to forgive others yeah that's how much is like your that's I've like really never thought about the idea that like my necessity i guess for lack of a better term to forgive others is predicated by like because i was i would have never used the term blackmailed but i think i get where you're going it's so like perfect and, term yeah, yeah. And, I, and i'm not but how much is that because that sounds like it's maybe an inherently negative term like yeah. even if that's not the right word that you're using and so how much has that impacted your like pursuit of not just seeking but extending forgiveness like have you found that played out in real life ways as you've either sought or extended forgiveness to others yes okay so and i that's interesting because i bet like if we change the word with like jesus's 
uh, sacrifice like compels me to forgive or encourages me to forget. Like yeah. that's lovely. And instead, like I used a pretty negative term. Yeah, and yeah it inherently feels... more fluffy than blackmail. Yeah, I mean, and blackmail feels pretty true to how I feel, or like pressures, like something of yeah. like it's not organic and genuine. It's a requirement. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna actually do. A, we're gonna get there. Um, when I was, let's say six, I let's say seven. Somewhere around there. Um, I had a carpooling buddy, like, who we would switch off who drove who to school. You know, yeah. you get it? It's, like, super early to be driving. <laughs> like the parents. Yeah, like. I gotcha. And the, the the boy who we would drove just really, really pissed me off all the time. And I, so one day, I brought home, <laughs> I brought into the car this, like, booklet of paper. And I, <laughs> I just wrote the kid's mm-hmm. name and then bad book. And I was just like, I'm going to tally every time. I forgot about this. I'm going to tally every time you make me mad. And if we get to the end of this book, you have to come see my musical. <laughs> Which was... Which is the ultimate punishment. The ultimate punishment. And he was like, no! <laughs> so, I forgot about that. I wasn't planning on telling this story, but I, <laughs> but I remember being like, this is perfect. Like this will help him understand that he's pissing me off. And yeah. And this was actually really interesting is my parent is my parents found out about the bad book and they were like, Emily, you really can't do that. And I was like, and then, uh, my dad brought the phone, brought the phone book up to me and he was Emily, if God made a phone book or I'm sorry, if God made a bad book of us, like, this wouldn't even begin to cover it. And you know what he said? Like, he, but he doesn't hold that against us. Like, imagine if God was constantly doing that. Sure. And I was like, oh, crap. That is, that was really, like, I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Is that the gospel isn't, has no longer become God is holding all of my crap against me. But that didn't actually heal my relationship with this kid. Yeah, right? He was still a jerk. He was just annoying. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, but now I, but it, it was that start of the gospel being like, well, I guess I have to think that you're great. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like, and are you being hyperbolic? Like, did you go from like, I think you're annoying to now I have to think you're great? Cause I want like, that's, I don't see that being inherently connected to forgiveness. Like I can still think yeah. you're not wonderful. I actually, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. I don't think that was reality, but I think that's what I thought. Okay. Interesting. So have you seen that then continue to be breathed into how you've engaged with, because like, I think it's interesting. We've talked about, we've covered topics like our, our sin and our badness and depravity. Mm -hmm. And that phone book would entail an assertion, at least that we're pretty awful we have a i mean no one uses phone books anymore but they're big ass books yeah and so it's like that's a lot of sins to have in there right and so then to be like because the implication of that is is god is so generous that god would forgive a phone book sized like 10 point Mm. font book of our sins Mm. and then you should do that for others and so like have you like i'm just i'm maybe i'm verbally processing a little bit but like do you have you seen the intersection of those things like your understanding of like total depravity and forgiveness that's interesting because like for me like i as you think like i haven't always been like man i'm a jacked up messed up person 
So like for me, and I'm not great at forgiveness. I'll say like, I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I hold grudges like worse than most people. <laughs> like it's one of my least redeeming characteristics is mm-hmm. I'm really bad at it. Uh, and I've been watching the Derek Jeter documentary and he's like, I like, I won't be mean to you. Uh, but like once you've crossed me, you're just like out of my inner circle. That's kind of how I am. Like, I won't be mean to you, but it's hard for me to let you back in. Mm-hmm. And I though have had to wrestle with like the idea of like, there are so many things I've done even I'm not like totally depraved that have like pushed me outside of God's inner circle in the sense that like I've chose myself so many times in really negative detrimental ways that like when I think about those people, I don't feel like you said like blackmailed into doing it, but I'm like, but I do feel compelled would be the word I would use to be like, man, like my creator is so gracious that I would be forgiven for like continually choosing myself over God. So why wouldn't I do that for other people? But I don't know. Yeah. So, part of the rhetoric around total depravity, I'm not saying this is everybody says this, but, like, sometimes it can come across as God is disgusted by you, but, like, because of Jesus, yeah, you've talked you about the, Yeah, you've talked yeah, about yeah. the idea that, like, God is, like, utterly disgusted by us and just kind of puts up with us. But so that doesn't feel like very organic forgiveness. Yeah. That doesn't feel like an outpouring of love. Sure. Even though we could say, like, well, that's a really loving thing to do. That didn't come from a place of, like, God loves Emily so much that he forgave her. It's this, like, God is like, oh, my gosh. Well, I guess I chose you, so I have to deal with you. Yeah. I mean, kind like, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. Hmm. And so I didn't feel like the forgiveness I received from God was very organic. Like, almost like he was required to do it, too. Yeah. Well, I've had conversations with people recently where they're, like, the least gracious and loving and forgiving thing to do would be to send your son to die as that sacrifice like does that play into it at all for you like because i don't know that i agree, i or i would not say i don't agree with that idea but i've had conversations with people that like a loving god would never do this and so therefore it's like not that great of an act of forgiveness because like it's you said blackmailed like the idea of this person was like jesus was like coerced into doing this i don't believe jesus was coerced into doing that like i think I mean, I know, like it says, like for the joy set before him, like I do believe that the story of the Bible is the story of God wanting to be with his people. Sure. We see in the Garden of Eden, God walking with man. And at the end, it says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's the story. And so Jesus is, I don't even, it's hard to say, I don't really know what I think about that anymore, but whatever. Like, I felt like God, not that Jesus was coerced into it, but that Jesus was like, this is going to be brutal, but I'm going to do it, Mm. which is fine because I, for some reason it was like, Jesus was chill with it, but God was like, oh God, God meaning the father. Sure. I don't, I'm getting a little mixed up, honestly. Yeah. It's confusing. Um, but okay. So let's talk about why this came up because then I think we can unpack all this a lot. Yeah. I think we could speak in generalities for a half an hour because this yeah. is really interesting. Um, but so basically I talked about this in an earlier episode in this season um, about two summers ago having an internship that was really rough. Yeah, I remember because I mistimelined it and I felt like a real like, jerk. Oh, so that was like <laughs> a few weeks ago. Um, you didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... I don't remember how much I explained on that episode, but basically it was just like, 
very lonely. Yeah. Very like I I drove I was far away from home. It was during COVID. It was virtual. Um or but I was supposed to be there. And then I basically asked like I'm doing virtual VBS, I'm doing virtual Bible studies with kids. Like can I just do this from home with my family during COVID instead of live alone really far away from them? And basically my boss said no, I think you need to have a hard summer. Right. And so I did. Um, I did stay. He was like, you can quit or you can stay. And I was like, well, I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. Right. Um, and so that was really intense. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be a hard summer, but like, I guess I need to learn that. Um, fast forward. We'll go into a little bit more. So then, and also there was a lot going on, like the senior pastor had left. So my boss was the only pastor at that point. Yeah. So it was like, it was rough for a lot of people. And then, and then my boss was saying, when we hire the new senior pastor, everything will be fine. Like, then I'll have time for you. Cause he was basically like, you run the children's ministry. I like, don't have the capacity for that. Yeah. Which is a lot of trust. And I appreciated that. Um, and he was like, but when we hire the new pastor, everything will be fine. Um, and like, I'll have time for you to meet with you and see how you're doing, talk about the work you're doing. And I was like, perfect. I just need a little bit of like care while I'm doing this. Um, and then he hired his best friend or the, the presbytery did. He didn't hire it on his own, but, um, and so then I was like, okay, July rolled around. Like now this won't be so lonely. But then when that new pastor was hired, it was still lonely because he was just hanging out with his friend. Yeah. You were not part of the, the collective and the friendship, right? No. And I was like, most days I was like left alone at the office. Mm. Um, and then I had to go home by myself uh, and wasn't really allowed to see people because I needed to set a good example as a church employee during COVID. Um, and that was really rough. Yeah. And then at the end of the summer, um, I was leaving. It was my last day. I was leaving. And he said, I know I basically ignored you all summer, but I hope you can be grateful and encouraged instead of frustrated and angry. And I just was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, in a few weeks after we both cool off, I like will call you and we can like process more. And I was like, that sounds perfect. That's probably what we need to do. Um, Cause I, that was my second summer with that church. I didn't say that part. The first summer was fantastic. Same guy. Same guy. Okay. So that was also hard, right? Like that was yeah, different sides of the same coin. Like you knew this person one way and they were very different the second time around. Yeah. And I had a lot of like trust for that person sure. and a lot of that. And mm-hmm. so I get back and I was like, that was a really brutal summer. I cried most days by myself, was super lonely, honestly got really depressed. And, but I was like, that's okay. I'm almost done when I leave and go back home and go to college. Like I'll be fine again. Um, Cause then I was going into my junior year, I think. Uh, And every, basically every time I was alone, I would like get really bad anxiety attacks was like super depressed yeah like mentally so bad 
and basically ended up, thankfully it was an all online semester because I spent that whole next semester actually at home um, because I couldn't be alone. Yeah. Like I, like I would just, and even still we would, it was my birthday. I remember. And I just, we were having such a great day. We were about to go to a comedy club. It was my first comedy club experience. I was turning 21 and I just started bawling and I was like, I don't know why ended up like starting therapy and getting on antidepressants like so like we got there but it was really brutal like that really really affected me yeah and i and recently in the past few months i guess that story had still been coming up in therapy Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm so annoyed that was so long ago i'm ready to be over it because also i after that summer happened i had other pastors in my life another pastor in my life be like well emily that's kind of on you you should have quit right and so then i was like so then i felt like it was my fault that i was feeling this way and it was just a lot it was really rough yeah it felt like both sides were coming at you like it was like you were wrong for staying Mm -hmm. and wrong for not leaving and i was exhausted and burnt out and this not my summer boss but then the other pastor was like how many people have you met with and i was like i I don't have it in me, and I would really appreciate it if you didn't ask me that. Like, yeah, I'm just. It, it felt like I was just still someone being used for like ministry, and not cared for mm. at all. All that to say, it was very rough and very intense, and still holds a lot of weight to me. Um, and I was really frustrated by that. And basically, I heard recently that my old boss in the summer had a conversation with someone else in my life about that summer with me. Like he found out that it was really rough for me. Uh, and he was like, well, I gave her an out like to like quit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's true. Sure. Uh, and he was like, and I set that those expectations that it would be like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, she had a pretty bad attitude that summer. Hmm. And like, all of these things, it was because people have said to me. So he, oh, I didn't say that. He never called me. I was, yeah. I, okay, was, I think I everyone listening was wondering the same thing because uh-huh. I was wondering if he ever called you to debrief. Um, so I was waiting to be called. He never called me. Maybe, maybe I could have called, but I kind of just had some hope in me that he would call. Yeah, I mean, this is, and I want you to continue the story, but the initiative's on him. He's the lead, right? Not lead pastor, but the, he was the supervisor. Like he had set the expectation this would happen. Like. That's not only you. Like, uh, yeah. And so, and then it kind of felt too late. Like, once I was like, I don't think he's going to call me, then it felt like, well, I felt embarrassed that I was still upset about it. Yeah, for you to call and be like, oh, she's not over it. Like, she's still dwelling. Like, it yeah. would have rehashed, like, what you already felt maybe shame to some degree about while you mm-hmm. were there for feeling the way you did. And so I, like, we, he and I have still not spoken about it. Okay. And but he spoke to other people about it. Spoken to other people about it, and he was like, "Well, if Emily has an issue, then that's on her. Mm-hmm. Like she can come to me." So yeah, so it was like, now it's on me to come to him, but I really don't want to have that conversation, right? Because it feels like that's not going to go well hmm. after what he said to other people. Yeah. So how did like, so where are you at? Because I don't know if I've heard you say this part yet, but like, where are you at in the process? Because like the conversation on the topic is forgigeness, right? Right, right. This spurred that. So are you in a place where you're, you Mm -hmm. know, 
I'm unable to forgive. I don't want to forgive. I don't think I need to forgive. I, I really want to for, Like, where are you in all that? So I had therapy yesterday. Love it. Uh, and we talked about this. I came in and she was like, I can tell you have something you want to talk about. <laughs> um, and I like was telling her how I was feeling. And she was like, and I was like, and I know, I feel like I have to forgive. But I was like, if I'm being 100% honest, I want him to be just a villain in my story. Oh, interesting. And I was like, because that's more black and white. Yeah. Like, that is so much easier. Hmm. And, I, and she was like, in reality, it was a hard dynamic because basically she like, she wasn't defending him, but she was like, can we say, can we think maybe why you would do that? Or maybe did he know all these things? Or like what he was having a hard time with Not to excuse it. Like, she was like, if I was in that church staff, I would absolutely be like, you're really messing up on like caring for Emily. Sure. Um, and she was like, but we're doing this work so that he doesn't stay just a villain. But I was like, but it's way easier if he just stays that way. But also, I'm still so upset about it, and I don't know how to let go of it. Mm. That's where I'm at today. Yeah. Well, that's where I hear the shift, even the conversation in regards to forgiveness. Like, at this point, you guys may never... Like, forgiveness in the act of that is releasing, right? Like, that's a release. And mm. for you to hold him as the villain is still letting that situation and the negativity of it... Not to say he's a... T I don't know this person for anyone, yeah. but, but you're letting him in that situation still hold power. And so forgiveness in some ways isn't just being like, hey, I think that you rock and I forgot what you did, but it's releasing what happened so you can... Because to hold him as the villain or anyone in that like there's still people in my life so i'm not saying i'm crushing this at yeah. all because i'm there are people that i still hold as the villain in uh -huh. parts of my life and i'm actually and i know this at a cognitive level that i'm doing myself a spiritual disservice mm -hmm. and an emotional disservice by doing that to me this is what i can't separate and I, why i'm having such a hard time is to me to forgive or to let go or to de-villainize him equals invalidating my experience and mm. i know that's not true but that is like i feel like for me to say well it was fine i don't want to downplay the fact that this really messed me up for a while yeah but forgiveness isn't approval right like approval. like you're by f extending forgiveness you're not saying approve the acts that you did they can still be awful oh. hard painful acts but you're saying, again, like, this is my perception, and you can agree, disagree, or be neutral. I think forgiveness is saying those acts no longer have a hold over me. Like, you can still think that those are really bad, negligent, whatever word you want to use. But forgiveness isn't approval. Forgiveness is, like, this isn't a part of my story anymore in a way that drives who I am. Yeah, but it's like, what is the... Like, that's a great thought. I've never thought about forgiveness that way. And the idea of, like, letting go or just, So you like, only thought of forgiveness as approval. Like, to forgive is to approve. Uh, uh, for, to forgive is to deny that that thing happened. That's interesting. 
But I think about like Jesus, right? Like, and like I think this is a Jesus podcast. Can we talk about him? Uh, so I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like I think about him, like he's like, uh, I think about forgiveness and like the way he interacts with certain people. Oftentimes he says like, "Neither do I condemn you," but mm. also like go mm. like so he doesn't forget, but he's also like, "Don't do that anymore." So if Jesus is the ultimate extender of forgiveness in the sense that like we live in a cosmic world full of sin. He didn't say, I'm just going to pretend like this never happened anymore. He's like, I just don't condemn you for this, but also I'm challenging you to not live in that way anymore. And I think, I wonder where our role at the micro level of that is, like, how do we say, neither do I condemn you for this, but, like, I, like it happened. And so it's like, it's still going to inform my story, but not in a way that I'm holding it against you. And I love that idea, but that, what is the process of that? Oh, that's above my pay. I don't have a great process for that. Like but. what? Like, okay, great thought. It's to me, it's not like, oh, cool. Now I've let go. Yeah. Well, I think about like, again, like the, the people that I can pull in my life, I still have like, you know, I bet you get this in yours. Like, uh, there are certain things that will trigger responses. Mm. Uh, a great example without getting into like too much detail. Like I remember when I went through my divorce, there was a certain place that I would drive by that would immediately trigger visceral reactions mm -hmm. of like pain. Sometimes I would just start crying like because of things that I like that were tied to that. And as it related to my divorce, part of like my, I remember though I drove by it years later and it was like, I remembered that place but it didn't hold that over me anymore. And so I don't know the process, but like part of the process was like crying. Part of the process was being upset and part of the process was naming it. But then there was a point where I was like, I now know that it happened and there's some marker of my story that's laid there, but it doesn't cause me to, I'll say stumble, but I don't mean it. And like, it doesn't cause me to like, cause I think when I drove by those spaces, I would be like, man, like I, I would get thrust into my own level of like sin in whatever ways of like self doubt, of anger, of pride, of all that, like all these things, right? Yeah. And now I go by, it's like that thing happened. This place holds something for me, but it's not leading me down a path of destruction in some ways, which is what it was happened when I went down there. Yeah. And that one thing that my therapist did say is like, is I was saying like, it's frustrating that this still bothers me. And she was like, however, right after that happened, you were super depressed. Like, she was like, and that's our body's way of saying, so I don't feel something. I'm just going to not feel anything. Like, sure. I'm going to push a lot down. And she was like, so this is the first time I've heard you talk about this story and seem like alive. Hmm. And she was like, so there's a there's a sense in which you're just starting. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. So I'm not like crazy and being sensitive or like need to get over it and she was like no i think this is a process that i think actually is just starting even though this was two years ago yeah and so like because you're it sounds like what you're saying is part of it is time part of it's time but also like going back to what i would say at least some way shaped your theology forgiveness i don't think it was like pretending like it never happened i think like owning it and naming it is a part of like that paired with time in naming it and processing it. Like, that's why I think was one, like the reason, or I don't know why Christians have pushed back on therapy for so long. Cause it's like, you're naming and you're processing in real time, the things that have hurt you. Mm -hmm. And I think like, that's what you're doing. And so I think like you're actually engaging in real time in the act of forgiveness by 
virtue of talking through it with others uh, and not like moving out of like, well, I'm just going to pretend like no one, either this person's only a villain. So like, that's a character or being like, well, the response is just pretend like, cause I bet, and maybe this is wrong, but was there a point where you're like the right, good Christian thing we do is to forget, like, did you go in a place like, well, it's just, it was fine. Did you ever go into a space like that? Yeah. Where, yeah. Do you remember in C somewhere in season two, I go forgiveness or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, sorry, I said that. Yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. Okay. Of like, yeah. I have to do this thing. Like it's, I remember they you maybe you agree with this. This is how Tim Keller talks about forgiveness is he says, um, so let's say I all sin comes with a cost. So for example, if I run my car into your garage, your garage is broken. You have two options. You can either say you need to pay for the garage or I'll pay for the garage. An option is not just to let the garage be broken. And so someone has to pay. And so what I took that is, is like, so forgiveness is me taking on all the pain and paying. Mm. And no one else, like what it, but I think what we want is like, if I'm drive, if I drive into your garage, the dream would be like, for you to pay for it, but also we still have a com. But also I still say like, dude, that was totally my B. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah. like that is better than just you paying for it and us pretending it didn't happen. Yeah, which is what I feel like forgiveness is. Is it's like, is the paying for it? Is the you taking on all of the hard feelings? I feel that way sometimes. Like. I feel like there's a, well, we've talked about this and the cost of different things and the burden of things. And so I don't know that it's like a, it's a 100% enjoyable burden free act. I might agree with that. Sure. But I don't know. It's like. From what I heard you say, though, it wasn't even like someone had to pay for fixing the garage. You were kind of being like the best thing to just pretend like the garage is never broken, and then we just go on it. Like that's what it more it sounded like you were saying in terms of like in terms of my story. Yeah, it was like if I just pretend like the garage was never hit, then it wouldn't. Like I don't have to. Like I'll just go park my car in the street. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but also like, there's a cost to that. Yeah, you don't get to use your garage. Yeah. So I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're like a big metaphors person. And uh, I just made me laugh. But it's like, I'm still <clears throat> paying a price, even if I'm not fixing the garage. Yeah. 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 That's right. There's, there's a cost. I hate that. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I think this is like important to process because I think a lot of us feel this way about forgiveness, but we don't freaking say it. What's up, Dustin? The thing about you roast me. No, no. But the thing about you having to pay when when you don't release it, when you don't forgive, it, you're continuing day after day. It's like you're in purgatory. You're continuing to pay for it over and over and yeah. over because that dude that hurt you perhaps never thinks about it, and you think about it. Seems like fairly regularly. We're talking about it today. You talked about it with a the therapist. 
And that is, that's the key for you to have the, the closure or the release of this thing, not to free him from the thing he did. Mm. Mm. It's allowing you to, to move on. And that's actually freedom for you. Yeah. Help at being able to forgive him, whatever that means, wherever in the soul level that that happens is your ability now to go, Oh, I'm free of this. You don't, you don't have anything over me anymore. Yeah. You can't control my thoughts. And not that he even is, he might not even know. Mm. And I, this is things I go through, you know, uh, as well. I think all humans do. And I have a villain in my story and he, you know, he can either stay the villain or I could just stop caring that he doesn't say he's sorry and move on, you know? And I, I'm sorry. I love that idea. Like I get in my brain, I can say that freedom or that forgiveness is actually the most loving thing I can do for myself in my brain. I get that. But in reality, like what, how did, like, what does that look like? Like, this is so, none of this is very concrete. And that's, what's hard is like, I can totally say, yeah, that would make me feel freedom to not think about it. But how do I prevent myself from thinking about it? I need to find a way to like, let it go, but not feel like I'm invalidating. But again, these are all like things we're doing in our brain. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think Dustin, you said what I was trying to go to too, is like forgiveness, I think is more of a, a you thing or mm-hmm. us thing than is the other person thing. For sure. Um, and in some ways it's the other, but like there are times I think where people really need to be forgiven, like they need, they need to hear that they are. So I don't mm. mean it's only an individual act. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like it's a cognitive exercise in the sense that like, uh, you're like letting him like live rent free in your mind, right? Like he's just like there. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I view it as. It's like, he gets to take up space in your story and he doesn't know about that, but like that moment does. And I just wonder like what it would cost you. And I get what you're saying. So I'm going to say this before I say this. Like I get that you're like, well, I understand. Do this. Don't do that. Like I'm saying, you're saying, how do I actually do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that I have the answer for that. But like I do wonder. I would not wonder. I think it costs more to let that moment or individual or thing live rent free in your space rather than to move on. You know what I mean? Like it's. What what would it cost you to be like I forgive you versus what would it cost you to be like I have to think about this every day because it's costing you mental space. Um, can I say one thing really quick? Is like I think the problem though is what it is for me is I feel like he will live rent free in my head until I feel like I'm not crazy for being this hurt. I and get that. And the problem is, is that I don't think I'm crazy, but my opinion doesn't matter that much to me. Who do you think thinks you're crazy, though? Like, that's interesting. Like, if you're like, because you say, I think, like, does someone, other than him having those conversations, um, like, do you hear that rhetoric kind of going around, like, you're crazy for feeling hurt still? After it, after it first happened, a lot of people were like, this makes sense to be sad about this for, like, a few weeks, mm. but then you'll be fine. And so for it to be two years later... Almost, I haven't really been willing to tell anyone I'm still feeling this way because I'd be like, yeah, you're right. In a few weeks, I'll be over it. And we're here two years later. And I didn't think about it those whole two years. It comes back in moments that really suck. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'll be house sitting and just start crying because I'm alone in a big house again. And this reminds me of like it's triggering like that. 
I don't know how to like there's got to be something to the effect that like I value my experience as enough of a reason that my experience is valid but for some reason I need like oh oh I this was also interesting in therapy is I was like is I was like I need people on my team because I felt like I was Emily against the world during that summer and my therapist said well Emily what does it look like for someone to be on your team and I said, if I'm being 100% honest, what it looks like for someone to be on my team is to also see that person as a villain. Mm. And yeah. that's hard. So you don't necessarily feel unvalidated by yourself. You want other people to help validate. But my validation of myself isn't enough. Right. And it sounds like the lowest on the totem pole. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, that's just, Dustin, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just wondering, I wonder if a tangible... Uh, option and it might not be but a tangible option could be to write out Mm -hmm. write a letter to him and say this is how that time made me feel but I want you to know that I'm I'm taking I don't want this on my shoulders anymore and so Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to forgive you for this I'm going to just but the act of writing it down and saying I forgive you even though he didn't ask and it seems like what you want from him is for him to be to feel badly about what happened because he's the villain, right? And to come to you in a very honest, humble way and ask you to forgive him. That would be closure. I would make that be the dream. Right. And it's what I thought it's what I was kind of promised. Right. And he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So then the question is how do you take the power back and forgive him anyway? But but to let him know this is how it made me feel. And maybe even I don't want to say teach him a lesson in a wag your finger way, but teach teaching him something about what it actually means to be like Jesus. Because you're, you know, you could write him a letter and just berate him, or you could say this, just really keep it. This is how I feel. And then maybe that, maybe he won't treat other people like that in the future. Yeah. Which is a goal too, right? Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I think like, I try to stay a little bit away from this, but like you know, Annie, uh, my wife, and, I do know her. Uh, she's she, awesome. She's awesome. She also has a high desire for justice, and so mm. in some ways, she's very similar to you in this. Like, if someone's wronged her, and I've tried not to say this the whole episode, but it's like it just seems I couldn't go any longer <laughs> than saying. Uh, so if like someone's wronged her, she um, wants to seek that person out, not to shame them, but because like for her to have closure is for that person to apologize right or ask ask for forgiveness apologize whatever uh but she'll never say i need you to say this but she'll continually create the opportunities for this person and i remember we had i had a conversation with one time and i don't think she's completely wrong in this but i was like i think you're creating way more anguish for yourself by continuing to re-engage in these hurtful places and continue to get let down by the person who's not forgiving you and like i think Mm, that's or mm. that you're looking for forgiveness to, yeah, and so I think like that's an interesting looking for an apology. Yeah, looking for an apology. I think that's an interesting thing for me as I look at it just in like my real life lived experiences. Like again, like I think you're providing someone power by, and I think what does said is really good by like there's a way to model Christ like behavior and to like process through it. And I wonder like. But oftentimes it's not enough for us because, like, the just I have that bone in my body too. Like, the like I want you to feel remorse for what you did to me, and for you to claim it. But I just don't know how Christ like that motive is in me. 
Yes, going back to what you said about <laughs> like I want you to feel this way. Um, I there was a part of me that had the hope that maybe he felt so bad that he didn't want to talk to me mm-hmm. until last week. Yeah, and then you were like, oh man, he's just like, he's as you would say, he was just vibing in it. Yeah, just vibing. <laughs> Bet. Yeah, that um, dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I can't have that like pretend dream anymore. Mm. That maybe he feels so much shame about what he did to me, which is what I want. And I know that's horrible and it's not very Christ like. That's where I'm at. But I would say, like, for us in this process, and we said this really early on as we were gassing our podcast up, like, part of <laughs> it is like allowing other people to understand, like, you're not alone. And like, I think mm. the thing that the three of us, as we've talked about this, have at least named to some degree. You're not you're not alone or unique in having that feeling. Yeah. Um, like, and I bet people that. listening feel that way. I hope you know that. Like, I mean, you have a big team. I hope you know that outside of us. But like, for sure, Dustin and I are people that are on your team. I know people listening to this are on your team. And I think by you sharing this, even if you're not in a place like you know, what, I know I don't know if I can actually extend forgiveness right now. Like, I think you did a bigger act of saying like, I want to figure out why this is taking up space in my mind right now which is more than a lot of people would do and i think as it relates to the conversations we're having on life and faith and deconstruction i think like that the vulnerability aspect of it is the most christ-like thing you could do is to say like i'm going to openly vulnerably talk about this with other people even if i'm not sure what i think about it right now or if i feel like i'm wrong in it I, i don't know like what you think but like to engage in the conversation I think is wonderful. Thank you. And and I think like I like I guess I if I'm being 100% honest I was like I'm going to bring this up in the episode and at the end it's going to be we killed it. Like now I'm a perfect forgiver. <laughs> but it's like I think that this like ending this episode here is truer to the deconstruction journey. And I want to be yeah. honest about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think like that's like I mean we have ev- episodes start right. They have natural starts and natural ends, and sometimes you think that's how every part of our spiritual life should be and our, our work life and everything. That's a word right there. Yeah, and I don't Go know. Ahead. Yeah, and I don't know that it is right. Like I think ending it with ambiguity is saying like the journey's still going, and we say this every week. Like embrace the journey. That's part of you're embracing that part of your journey right now and being like, I haven't arrived, mm. and I may not arrive ever or for a long time, but yeah. it's a part of my journey. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Or were you ready I, to wrap up? I just... I had 40 more minutes of me. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I'm with you. Like, I just think my encouragement would be to anyone listening, like, this is hard stuff. Forgiveness, like, this is maybe the most difficult topic we've dove into because it's wrapped up in our identity and our emotions and our feelings and our hearts and our souls, right? And, like, that's hard stuff to process. We can talk about sin, brokenness discipleship like like we, all those things are tangible but this one like is so deeply personal and so i think what you said in understanding like this is maybe the most authentic place to end it to be like i'm not through it and i think that's okay we could have had a very clean cut episode if we didn't dive into this particular story we could have talked about forgiveness in the general yeah. and been like there you go guys that's how you forgive but this is the this is where the rubber meets the road. Mm. Yeah. Like, so I'm still pretty mad. <laughs> um, but it's been helpful to like I think be heard, and even just the fact that I'm being honest about this story 
has taken some of the power away. Yeah. And I don't know why we didn't think about saying this at any point during the, maybe you did and I just didn't, but like, I think that's what the Psalms are, is like wholehearted, angry, the lament ones. Like there's ones that are very joyful, but like there's a whole section of Psalms that are angry cries to God. Uh, Sometimes being like, these people messed me up. I think it's Psalm 80. It's like, God, you've let me down in every way. Like it's the only. My tears have been my food. Yeah. It's the only Psalm that doesn't end with a hopeful word. And I think like. That's sometimes how we feel. Oh, this is like the Psalm 88 of our podcast. <laughs> we got a title. <laughs> <laughs> is the title just going to be Psalm 88? Probably. People are going to be like, are you guys just going to talk about Psalm 88? This do isn't that. to disparage our audience, but I bet you most people don't know what Psalm 88 is. So. But I feel like people are going to be like, I feel like people listening to this would be triggered by just seeing a Bible verse as mm. the title. Or right. We can argue about this off camera. Yeah. I would say... You'll find out, but by the time you've listened to this episode, you'll have seen the <laughs> the title. If so. you if you've listened to this, you made it through that barrier. Yeah, so encourage it. your friends. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening um, to this pretty vulnerable episode uh, and embrace the journey. Yeah.